Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. Today I'd like to welcome Alex Reed to the show. Alex is the co-founder and CMO of Truman's. Truman's is a US-based company that offers eco-friendly household cleaning products to safely clean virtually every hard surface in your home. Now you might be asking, why are we having a cleaning product company on the podcast and how is it relevant? Well, you'll soon find out why. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be here and and chatting with you. Thank you so much, Alex. Alex, I'd like to start the show off with something interesting about you that most people would not be aware of. Yeah, that's an interesting question because, you know, when you start to get to a certain age, um, you you wonder, you know, what's the most interesting thing uh, that's happened to me? You know, there's a lot of unexpected twists and turns in life. And one of the things that I feel like is particularly relevant to uh, the company that I co-founded this year, Truman's, um, was that when I was a child, I was actually able to get into um, some some medicine in uh, my parents' medicine cabinet and unscrew a childproof lid. And, you know, it was fairly traumatic for them. I was too young to remember the specifics, but ended up getting rushed to the ER, having my stomach pumped. It was uh, not a great experience, but things like that you know, now that I'm a father of, of my own children, things like that have really shaped my perspective on the products that I allow into my home, how they're stored, how they're used. And I think that's, that's an important consideration when you're running a business is what are these impacts, whether they're, you know, intended or unintended that you're having on, um, on homes and consumers. So, you know, that was something that, uh, that was a very important um, early moment in my life that's, that's shaped some of my thinking. Must have been quite traumatic for your parents. I know as a parent myself, my oldest daughter once swallowed a penny and, you know, we took her to the ER and had that x-ray and that was traumatic enough. So I couldn't imagine having her taken and having the stomach pumped. Yeah. Anytime you have kids, I mean, every, every scrape and bruise is, is scarier than the next, but um, you're always trying to do what you can to protect them. And, um, you know, sometimes things happen and, and that's why I'm, I'm excited to be in a position where you know, we can produce a product that we feel good about using in homes with with pets, with children, um, and that are going to be safe and, and, and good for the environment as well. Yeah. And, you know, you, you did briefly answer it, but I should double down that question a little bit about why is your current endeavor so important to you? Yeah, I think, you know, for one, I'll, I'll start with the selfish reason. Um, I wanted to do something meaningful with my career. I, I you know, I'm a marketer by trade, um, but I'm also a product guy. And, and I really like being involved in companies and products and brands that are doing something that I feel like positively contribute to homes, businesses, society, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that really drove me into this space because I felt like there was a lot of opportunity in, in the cleaning industry uh, to improve. Um, secondarily, you know, I felt like there is a big issue environmentally that um, is is so multifaceted that it, it can't just be attacked at the individual level. It can't be attacked at the government level. It can't be attacked at the private you know sector alone. Like it's it's got to be the sum of all parts. And if I have an opportunity to use my my business skills um, to you know not only produce a, a strong business and a strong brand, but um, make a contribution to uh, a more positive environment, then, um, you know, that's really exciting for me. So, you know, when my co-founder and I decided to get into this space, one of the, the biggest drivers for us is, 
you know, this is something we can feel really good about. We can, you know, share with our children. We can share with our friends. Um, you know, no, no offense, uh, but we're not working for Philip Morris. You know, we're not working in the fast food industry or selling, you know, sugar water. Um, we, we wanted to do something that we felt proud um, to be part of. And, and so, um, again, we felt like, you know, trends aligned um, in a favorable way for this business to be successful. Our skills aligned and it's, it's something we can feel passionate about. So sometimes it, uh, you know, a lot of life boils down to good timing and, and we felt like the timing was, was perfect for this. Let's dig a little bit deeper into some of the things you said. Explain why Truman's is making a difference. Yeah, well, if you, if you kind of take a step back and look at the macro view of the industry, um, there are a lot of ways to clean, but the, the, the dominant um, cleaner type in uh, the industry is ready to use. And what I mean by that is you have a spray bottle sitting on a retail shelf um, filled with formula. What a lot of people don't realize is that formula is 98% water. Um, wow. So you think about the, the fact that you're buying a bottle of glass cleaner, for instance, um, you paid for a bottle that even though it could be used for years and years is only going to be used one time. You paid for all of that water um, to be shipped, packaged, stored, um, when really what you were trying to get was the cleaning agent. And so there's a tremendous amount of waste, not just in the single-use plastic of, of the bottle and sprayer, um, but in the fact that there's an entire supply chain set up to support this wastefulness. Again, these, these bottles are filled in a the factory. They're overpacked so they don't leak or rupture. They're shipped, taken to a distribution center, shipped from there, taken to a retailer. You drive to the retailer. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of resources expended for something that's really quite simple. Um, mm -hmm. so we, we thought, you know, there's a better way to do this. Concentrates have been around for a very long time, but they've not been, you know, as I mentioned, there's a lot of ways to clean, but they've not been ad adopted. And, you know, we, we looked at all the reasons why, um, one, we felt like the presentation was inelegant. You know, you have a lot of powders, um, you have uh, large jugs of concentrate and, you know, we have a convenience society, um, admittedly, at least in the U S and, um, you know, it's, it's not intuitive. It's not easy to use. Some people are uncomfortable, um, you know, touching chemicals or mixing them themselves. Um, and so what happened is they just kind of fell to the wayside and ready to use cleaners have been the standard for, for many decades. And we felt like if we could simplify the product offering, you know, we have only four non-toxic cleaners for the entire home. We could simplify mm -hmm. the packaging um, the concentrate comes pre-mixed. You never have to touch it, measure it, pour it. Um, you simply add water and then insert the sprayer and, and it will automatically release. Um, that we combine those elements with a really good customer experience because, again, these, these brands, their customer is the retailer, not the end user. Um, so we're always available answering questions on chat, on social media, engaging in, in just fun, lighthearted banter. If we could combine these elements that we could really move the needle in the industry and get people comfortable switching from ready-to-use cleaners to uh, a concentrate-based system. Um, and that's really our whole goal. Like We know we're never going to be 90% of the cleaning industry because it's gigantic. Everybody cleans, every age, every demographic. What we want to do is, is spur a movement. We want to put enough mm -hmm. pressure on the big cleaning brands to start going in this direction because that's something that we can look at very proudly and say, 
remember when nobody used concentrates and now look where all the focus <laughs> is being paid. And I think that that's really cool. Um, so that's something we're just very excited about. You know, as, as you're talking, my mind's going down two parallel tracks. One is just the amount of, as you mentioned, resources that have, you know, get used up in shipping and storage and uh, manufacturing. And the other track, the entrepreneurial track in my mind is kind of walking around my house thinking, what else can I just add water to? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's so interesting because I think um, with all of Amazon's ambitions and progress um, with e-commerce, fast shipping, one-day shipping, they're doing free shipping on um, like $2 items now. People are starting. People are starting to question how healthy is this that I can have um, five different, you know, one dollar items shipped to me every day of the week. Um, and I think the attention and focus being given to supply chain is actually a very positive thing because, you know, it's easy to look at the cleaning industry and say, well, the single use bottles are a problem. Um, but when you look at our system, this this concentrate cartridge that we send, you can fit. Um, on one semi truck, what would take thirty semi trucks to ship of a ready to use cleaner? Um, wow! And, and it's just, and it's it's not it's needless waste too because it's 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 not it's not good for the business. You know, it's inefficient for the business. It's not good for the consumer because they're they're ultimately paying for that. It's not good for the environment. And so, I think the supply chain introspection is is important because it's not just what you see is what you get. There's this whole infrastructure set up behind the scenes that, that people often haven't thought about. Um, packaging is another one. What are the packaging materials? Is it overpacked? You know, we, we have a really interesting model where um, we simply ship it in a cardboard box that's made of recycled material and is recyclable itself. And the cartridges mm -hmm. are contained in the flap. There's no extra peanuts, foam, packaging material, um, the instructions are even printed onto the box, so we didn't have to have extra material in there. And then mm -hmm. we only ship in in cartridge in, in uh, quantities of four, um, four cartridges. So that way, we're not sending you. It's a non-perishable item. It really doesn't make sense for us to send you one at a time. Um, so a lot of our decisions were not just how do we reduce plastic waste, but how do we minimize the overall impact of the supply chain. And I think. You know, to segue to your second point, if other industries started doing that, and there there has been some progress, and I, I can definitely note some companies in other spaces that are making progress, um, it can be this tremendous impact um, overall. Where you know we're not we're not banking essentially on on consumers going out of their way to to reduce the supply chain. We're not banking on legislation to make it happen. We're saying businesses can be successful, can be profitable um, while doing the right thing by both the consumer and the environment. And I think that's just that's a really cool trend that I think is going to continue. So let's talk about pricing for a minute. I know sometimes people are reticent to do certain behaviors because, you know, pricing drives behavior. How do your prices compare to current prices of products out there? Yeah, I think our, our pricing is is very favorable. Um, we uh, sell our cartridges to subscribers for three seventy five a piece, and a, a cartridge is equal to a twenty seven ounce bottle of non toxic biodegradable formula. So typically in the space, what's known as green cleaning. Um, mm -hmm. I would say the green cleaners that are non toxic, you know, depending on where you are in the country, they can run anywhere from from four to seven dollars, and, and typically they're going to be in a smaller bottle. Um, and ours ship free to the home too. So there's the value add there. Um, so it's, you can certainly go with 
a store brand or uh, a brand that maybe can't be used on as many services because of particular ingredient types. Um, we, mm-hmm. we never expected to be the lowest cost on the market, especially being the new kid on the block. Um, but what was important to us was being approachable. We feel like if your brand is set up for um, a very small segment of the, the marketplace, then your, um, then your impact on the environment is ultimately you know, minimal. Um, you have to be accessible to large groups. And certainly when I mentioned uh, big brands going in this direction, um, they, they absolutely have the resources to, to bring prices down if they move to concentrate model because you, know, you think about what they're selling, the price points they're selling at today and they're right. shipping that water, they're paying for that water, they're paying for that bottle each time. Um, there are, are cost advantages, but I think there's also risk You know, when you're looking at publicly traded companies um, in taking a step back financially uh, to do the right thing. And that's why we feel like this had to happen from the outside and that we can put enough pressure on the industry to, to go this direction, but that it wouldn't happen willingly. You know, and I, and I touched on price, but, you know, I also want to come at it from a different angle. So, for example, if we use a cleaning product in the house and it smells, you know, let's say of ammonia or bleach or really strong, I kind of feel like from a health perspective, you know, some of the chemicals or some of the products that have been around for many, many years, we only realize later have been detrimental to health. And I think almost like um, healthy eating, you can either pay now or pay later. And I think cleaning products, you know, some some cleaning products fall into those categories too, where if you're using things that are detrimental to your health because they're cheaper, then you're going to pay later from a health perspective. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, we're, we're always, you know, science is always coming up with new developments and identifying long-term trends. But I feel pretty confident to say that, you know, things like ammonia and bleach, they're, they're lung irritants, they're eye irritants. Um, you know, it's, it, they can be very problematic um, in, in certain households. And, um, and that's why you see uh, restrictions as to which surfaces they can be used on. Um, so when, when you think about pricing, um, you know, one of the paradigms that, that we try to shift here is it's not just a good value on an individual cleaner basis, but we're, we're telling you that our kitchen cleaner can be used on stainless steel, granite, marble, wood, um, you know, appliances, glass, cooktop. So if you were buying previously a special granite cleaner, a special appliance cleaner, a cooktop cleaner, there's also savings in just the amount of product that you actually need to use. Um, so it's a, you know, the, the, the dirty secret beyond the fact that it's primarily water of this mm-hmm. industry is that you don't really need all these specialized cleaners. Um, you know, if, if you're using high quality ingredients, and I tell people this, the, the only reason we have a cleaner for the kitchen versus a bathroom instead of just one multi-purpose cleaner is because the, the dirts and soils that you're attacking are different. You know, mm-hmm. caked on food is going to be different than soap scum. So they are formulated differently, but they're safe. So I, I could use my kitchen cleaner in the shower if I wanted to. It just may not be as effective on, you know, lime scale or soap scum. Um, as the shower cleaner formula is. So it's it's one of those things when you look at the retail aisle, you, you take a step back, you say, whoa, this this is a bit out of hand. There are sprays, wipes. It's confusing. Um, aerosols, it's very confusing. And I think, um, you know, certain generation types have just grown up with it and it's it's the way we've cleaned. I think younger generations are coming in 
And it's confusing to them when they're coming into a home for the first time. Okay, what do I actually need? Do I have to have a wood polisher? Do I, you know, does my hardwood floor need something unique? And there's just, it, it all points back to the fact that the consumer, the customer for big cleaning brands is not the end user. It's it's the retailer. And so when you have that disconnect, this is what happens. We're, we're we were shocked when we first launched and we turned um, live chat on our website at mm-hmm. how much engagement there was from the customer. We thought this was just an unemotional, low interest category. People want to know. They have questions. They, they want to know what, what the ingredients are, how we source them, um, where the products are made, what they can be used on. Are they safe around plants? Are they safe around birds? Um, it's interesting because I just assumed people just bought what they bought and, and it's been an eye-opening experience for us and, and in a good way, because I think, you know, one of the ways that, that we can win and be successful is by concentrating on the customer. Um, you know, not just thinking about, okay, what other products can we sell, but what are they really asking about? What do they care about? And, and how do we tailor our business, um, to, to support them? Well, I think it's interesting you mentioned generational because I know people that I've spoken to in the past, you know, when I ask about perhaps laundry detergent or dishwashing liquid, it almost always falls back to, well, that's what my parents used growing up. It's kind of what I'm used to. And I think some of these legacy products have invested so much, you know, time and money and resources into creating that. So I think that, you know, having Truman's around now and being able to perhaps change that conversation that you know, my parents decided to switch midway, perhaps I should question things differently going forward. I think it's a really important part of the narrative too. Yeah, that's 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 spot on. I mean, we get comments from customers that are looking for a certain smell because to them that smell signifies clean. And and what mm-hmm. that tells you is they grew up in a household that, you know, they used bleach on the toilets. Um, and so to them, when the toilets had that bleach smell, that meant they had just been cleaned and they were they were clean. <laughs> um, it's like mint it, and it, toothpaste. It, yeah, you know, absolutely. And we get trained by our noses, and and so I think it will be a shift that happens over time. Um, and and large shifts like this uh, generally do take some time. But but you're right. I mean, we're seeing it's been fantastic because we're seeing not just adoption from millennials and Gen Z, but, but um, you know, we're seeing customers that are in their fifties, sixties, et cetera, that are trying Truman's and that, that willingness to try new brands, I'd say is one of the trends I mentioned in the very beginning of this conversation that we felt like was, was in our favor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, e-commerce has been um, democratized to the point where, it's, it's very easy to, um, well, maybe not easy is the right word, but it, you can reach consumers now in a way that you probably couldn't if you were cleaning brand 10 years ago. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, we are able to reach um, audiences across different age groups. And because we have different appeals, whether it's a, a favorable price, a, a fun brand that, you know, is open to talking with its customers, performance, um, whatever it may be, we're able to to convince people to switch. And that's ultimately what we're up against is is inaction. You know, when people ask about, well, who are your competitors in the space? Right. I say, Inertia. yeah, I mean, our co- competition is people continuing to just clean the way they've always cleaned. So um, it's it's been really positive to see the wide range of appeal so far. I really appreciate the, you know, the deep dive into Truman's and what you're trying to do. Um, one of the things I like to focus on is the why behind, you know, you personally are doing what you're doing. What What's driven, you know, driving you to, you know, pursue this? Yeah, I, um, 
spent 10 years at a company called Big Ass Fans. <laughs> I don't know if you know, you know the brand. I'm a fan. I see them in Costco yeah, all the time. They're, they're awesome. Um, it's an awesome company. And um, it did, the company did things in a very non-traditional way. Um, so it started off entirely business to business, selling big fans to factories, dairy farms, um, eventually getting into more commercial spaces like schools and churches and restaurants. But all of its sales were direct. Um, and, you know, B2B durables don't typically go direct. It's all through distribution. Um, and so, again, there's this mm-hmm. disconnect between the person actually using your product and the company that's manufacturing it. Um, this company was totally different and we had tremendous relationships with our customers. By the time I, I left the company in 2018, most of the business was coming from existing customers. And these were blue chip fortune 500 businesses that you just don't do that. You don't sell directly to American airlines or, um, to GE. Uh, it, it never happened. And, and, um, the way the company worked was really special because it wasn't just uh, a a transactional relationship. We had customer advocates, for instance, that would just call customers and um, really probe to find out what could have been better about their experience. We were always focused on improving the customer experience before that really became a buzzword. And then we did that on the consumer side as well, which is where I I really cut my teeth on direct to consumer uh, was launching our, our first residential fan brand, which you know, grew to 60 or 70 million just in the first few years. Um, and it was uh, largely an assisted sale. It was 70% phone transaction. So again, it was, it was, this was 2012. So it was direct to consumer before that was really a trendy thing. Um, it was more just in our DNA. Um, but yeah. what I learned was that if you have a, a memorable brand, you're not just a me too and, and following the trends. If you have a product that really works and performs, and if you focus just relentlessly on the customer, that you're going to be very successful. And, and the business was, it ultimately, it sold at the end of 2017 for um, $500 million. And um, it was such a such a good first role for me. And it's weird to say it was a first role because I did spend a decade there. But um, because I learned so much about what can make a seemingly ordinary product like a ceiling fan special, um, and it's not just the product, mm-hmm. it's all of those things I talked about. And so why I wanted to start Truman's was not because I had some lifelong passion for cleaning. <laughs> In fact, I, I, <laughs> I it's one of those chores I dread, but I do anyways. Um, but it was because I saw a similar industry where it was old incumbent players. There was no innovation on the product side. There was no relationship with the customer. The brands were stale. They were all meat. They were all the same. Um, I saw a lot of parallels, even though that sounds strange to say the ceiling fan industry was just like the the cleaning products industry, but it was. And um, when when my co-founder and I um, really lit on this idea of there are concentrate delivery systems that can work, um, that work well commercially. Um, So think about, you know, again, restaurants, fast casual restaurants, employees there don't want to touch chemicals. They're not comfortable. So you know, we observed a tremendous amount of innovation happening on that side of the cleaning business. We thought we can do the mm-hmm. same thing for consumers. We can apply these lessons that we've learned about, um, you know, taking an innovative, simple to understand product that just works, um, having a fun, lighthearted brand. That's a big part of who we are. And, you know, I mentioned live chat, but it's not just um, a chat bot. It's not somebody 
um, you know, overseas that doesn't understand our brand, our company. It's, th- these are people that, that live it every day and, and try to have fun with these conversations. Um, and then it's, it, it, it's really this, um, you know, undying focus on what do our customers care about? What are they asking for? And now we're in the early stage of that because we've only had customers for seven months. Um, but I can tell you where we're going as a business is being largely driven by what we're hearing from our customers. Uh, that, that to me is the most fun. I mean, I, I don't want to be in one of those. So when you ask why, why did you do this? What was your personal driver? I don't want to be one of those guys in a boardroom theorizing all day about, um, what do we need to do next? How are we going to gain share? Like totally not interesting to me. What, what is interesting is building something new, but building it for an audience that has been deprived of it so far. And then continuing to build the business off the back of that relationship that you have with that customer. That, that to me is really special and um, really what keeps me energized. And I know you've mentioned before also from a resource perspective, you know, a lighter environmental footprint. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, big ass fans to go back to that had a product that could reduce heating and air costs by 30%. So again, you think about this, we're able to make a profit. That is tremendous. Yeah, we're able to make a profit on a product. We're able to reduce our customer, our customers' um, operating expenses, increase their productivity, have a happier workforce, improve air quality, all these great benefits. And then for the environment, it's a, it's a positive thing too because we're using less resources, forced heating and air specifically to keep people comfortable. Um, so that was a business that every day I woke up feeling good about what we were doing because it was having an impact on the environment, but also a positive impact for all stakeholders. This is no different to me. I feel like it's a business where, you know, we can grow and and we are a for-profit company. Um, we are exploring B Corp status, but, um, you know, we're, we're not a nonprofit, but I think that, that these types of businesses and startups can be aligned with all stakeholders um, to where we're producing a, a superior product that works well for our customers and has a positive environmental impact. And so, you know, whether it was environmental impact or a health impact or just overall wellness, like whatever it may be, that that aspect is important to me because I want to know that what I'm doing is a net positive for society. Otherwise, it, it, it at least for me, it would be it would be very demotivating to know that what I'm doing is at best neutral. Um, you want to be able, especially when you have kids, right? You want to be able to tell them stories about what you do and why you do it, and, oh, and you want them to be proud of what you're working on. So, um, you know, that was a big motivating factor for me. How old are you, kids? Uh, so I have an, uh, a seven and a half year old son and a newly five year old daughter. So we're in a similar boat. I have a seven-year-old, nine-year-old, and eleven-year-old, all girls. Oh and boy! To your point, <laughs> I, I I love the idea of going home and telling them, you know, we're working on products to make the world better for you. You know, they may not understand right now, but as they get older, they'll kind of understand. You know, the commitment that you and I both made into having careers that were meaningful both to us and to them. Yeah, totally. And and you know, like I said at the beginning, they. they are inheriting any mess that we leave behind. <laughs> and, and so mm-hmm. in, in good conscience, it's, it's tough to, um, it's tough to imagine doing something that was, uh, a negative, um, to the environment or, uh, you know, the culture and society that they're going to inherit. And I, I, I think they're your kids for sure. And, and my kids as well are 
coming to the age where they start to understand that there are more people in the world than just them. Um, and that it, it does, it, it takes a, uh, it takes a village to, um, you know, create change and create positive change. Um, and so as they start to, to get this sense of the greater good, I think it is important for them to see role models, especially their parents who are the OG role models, um, Absolutely. doing something to make that happen. Absolutely. Well, switching gears a little bit, I like to ask if there's, you know, a piece of advice that you could share with the audience, what would it be? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and there are so many pieces of advice that have helped mold my career that it is hard to pick one. But um, one that I feel like is almost universally applied is is always just asking why. Um, it's that that curiosity uh, that I feel like trumps intelligence um, any day of the week. If you're interested in why, um, you can typically find a better way to do things. Uh, you know, as, with the cleaning example, for instance, um, just asking why are there so many different types of cleaners? Um, why are they uh, shipped this way? Like, it, it's probably easier to assume that well, these companies have figured it out. They've been doing it for a really long time. Like there's no point in questioning It's always it. been done that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we see a lot of reinvention happening nowadays, which is a positive thing because companies, industries in general, they get stuck. They get, you know, trends outside of the industry change that impact them. Um, and they don't change with it for any number of reasons. But uh, I think that stasis is is an opportunity um, for people if they're looking to whether it's I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to um, you know go find a company where I can go make a difference. Like asking those why questions will really I think inspire you to uh, pursue something. And and um, yeah, I mean it's just a, a natural curiosity is is going to be your best ally. You know, I, I totally agree. I tell my kids all the time, one of my driving forces is that I'm insatiably curious. So curious about everything. Yeah, it's great. And kids, they have that. And I, I don't know what it is about us, us as adults. We tend to, if it's complacency or just we, we're know-it-alls, we we tend to be a little bit less curious than our children. But um, I think it's fear. Yeah, too. no, that, that's, that's very true. I, I think it's fear of not knowing what you're doing. Yeah, nobody wants to Nobody wants to look like an idiot. And um, if you're in the room and you're afraid to ask why, um, I, I get that. You know, it can be that can be a bit of a challenge. And I, I guess, you know, I had very good mentors um, and, and colleagues as I was um, coming up early in my career uh, who encouraged me to um, speak out and uh, almost use your um, your lack of knowledge on a subject um, to your advantage. Uh, because you're you're looking at it with no bias, um, you know, no no history. You don't know the constraints exactly, and I think those people. And you want to, uh, you know, as you're doing your own thing, you want to surround yourself with people that ask why too, because it really challenges your thinking. Um, and that, it's just a hard thing to do. But I I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a fear of of sounding dumb or uh, you know of, of being rejected, and and it's that's just something you really have to focus on is, is remembering that it's okay not to be the smartest guy in the room all the time. 
I absolutely agree. Well, Alex, it's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon and seeing the progress of Truman's. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you.